Kareem Hunt to the New Orleans Saints, Anthony Barr as well. We'll discuss those two veteran additions. And if New Orleans is the favorite in the NFC South Plus, Odell Beckham Jr. made some interesting comments about Super Bowl 56. You are locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hi again and welcome in to Locked On NFL on a Wednesday. I'm James Rapine. He is Tony Wiggins. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Follow wherever you get your podcast. And shout out to all the everydayers that listen to Locked On NFL and make us uh, one of the, the most listened to NFL podcasts in, in tone. Let's start with the news of Tuesday, mm-hmm. which broke on, on Tuesday afternoon. Kareem Hunt, former pro bowler, has been out there. has been one of the many veteran running backs out there, but he is expected to sign with the New Orleans Saints. And this deal comes on the heels of Alvin Kamara receiving a three-game suspension. They also have Kendra Miller in their backfield. They also um, are lacking a pass catcher, right, with Kendra Miller. He's a rookie. It's it's unproven there. And so they go get a guy in Kareem Hunt. Do you like this fit? Do you not like this fit? Because I look at this running back room, and they have some proven guys. Jamal Williams they added this offseason. Obviously, uh, a guy in uh, – in Kareem Hunt that we know that we're aware of and that's been out there for a long time, but he has a a new home in the big easy. They won't be hurting for running back for proven running back depth. That's for sure. With, um, I I do think it's slightly redundant, even though he's probably a little bit more versatile than Jamal Williams. But this shows me that for the price that they get it in terms of how to, actually build and fill out a roster you know a lot of people use the third and fourth running back as just like filler filler i mean like they're they're playing the hits here and what they're doing they they're stacking the deck they they got four guys that they can three at least we know about that can really go out and play so i I like the move i really do like the move for them offensively defensively i don't know what bar has left i mean the last time i saw him I, i believe it was in dallas um this is not the Anthony Barr that was at his prime and at his peak with Minnesota. But once again, you know, having a veteran that you can get 15, 20 snaps from and a guy that understands and you don't have to bring him up to speed on things um, from day one, he's going to be able to contribute just based on IQ. So good move for him. And, and I do believe that they think these are the type of moves that you make when you think you are going to be the favorite to win your division. These are not the kind of moves you make when you're rebuilding. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, uh, I want to get to Anthony Barr and, and discuss him for just a sec. Well, in just a second, but Kareem Hunt, it's interesting to me because I think a few years ago, if you would have said Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara in the same backfield, it would have mm-hmm. been just like insane. And I know the word out of Cleveland was that Hunt kind of lost a step, wasn't as fast last year, and he's dealt with some injuries and things like that. But yeah, you have the three game suspension with Kamara, but after that. The idea of, in, in one, the idea that you can bring a rookie along slowly in Kendra Miller, but two, you have Williams as this bruising short yardage back, goal line back. He, does, he can take the, the punishment, while Alvin Kamara is your primary receiving threat out of the backfield. We know how electric he can still be. Right. And Kareem Hunt can do a little bit of both. 
and and so I I like this. I like this for Derek Carr. I like it for the the Saints offense. Yes, they're going to throw it, but I, I think this team wants to win with defense, and, and they want to win with their playmaking ability. And whether that is Chris Olave, maybe Michael Thomas can stay healthy. I'm not banking on that. So why not add another playmaker in another area that could use it, depending on health? I I think this move makes sense, and. Uh, yeah, when I saw it, I was like, oh, he's working out for them. And then quickly, I think Diana Rossini was the one to report that they intended to sign him. It's like, oh, well, that's a great move. Now, for Anthony Barr, and we have to see the contract numbers. I bet it won't be crazy. He's right. at the, the tail end of his career. Certainly, the running back market is what it is. Anthony Barr, the reason I like it is because that defense was already stout. That defense is already – you go to a game in New Orleans. I was there last year for a game. It is crazy when the opposing offense takes the field mm-hmm. and you have Demario Davis in the middle and you have Tyron Matthew. Obviously, uh, you have Cameron Jordan in the, the middle of that defensive line. I, They're good. They're talented. And so you're right. Like if you're asking Barr to be the old Anthony Barr, well, you're, you're not going to get that. But he doesn't need to be that in this defense. And so I really like what they've done because if if you're Derek Carr, what do you want? You want a good defense and you want some playmakers. And they added a playmaker, I think. I think he could still make some plays in Kareem Hunt. And you add a guy who could bolster your defense a bit at this stage of training camp with the regular season just over a month away. Yeah, and also whenever I see uh, running back signings uh, of this ilk, the first thing that I think about is, they want quality depth. It's the same thing I said about Barr. He's going to understand pass protection. You want to keep your quarterback upright. If passing is what you're going to do, uh, one of the things that folks never really think about are the ability of the uh, the backs to uh, pick up things that they're familiar with, exotic blisses, twists, turns. You don't want to get your quarterback blown up because some rookie guy's got his head on a swivel and is spinning around or doesn't have his head on a swivel and doesn't really understand where he is going to go. Um, I think the Hunt signing, I, I, I don't know why I had this feeling they were going to sign the hometown, the hometown kid in Leonard Fournette. I thought that I really thought mm-hmm. that's what they were going to do. I think Kareem Hunt is less expensive because playoff Lenny is playoff Lenny, right? He's going to demand a little bit more money and he's about, he's, mm-hmm. he's been more proven over a long period of time. And look, Hunt had some problems, you know, he had a domestic issue, you know, where he was caught hitting someone. And that's not something that teams can get over uh, really, really quickly. And no matter how long it goes, you're going to take what people offer you. That That is mm-hmm. not you don't have a whole bunch of leverage to negotiate when you have something like that hanging over your head because teams can sometimes get in the way. Um, uh, it can it can get in the way of progress because. Teams have to explain that to people. There's going to be somebody in their community that wants to explain why he signed. So um, that's just the bottom line. You know, I, I think Leonard Fournette is 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 going to cost a little bit more. I think guys like him and Zeke will cost a little bit more uh, than than Kareem Hunt. But I think it's a real real good move, and it's going to lead right into this next segment that we have because somebody picked the Saints as the sleeper team in in the NFC a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you did, and and so we're going to ask that question real quick. Do you think Fournette is a better running back today than Kareem Hunt? Um, that that's a very good question. I don't think he's as dynamic as Kareem Hunt used to be, but for what Leonard does with the pass protection as well as uh, short yardage, I, I do think he he has a lot more value than people think. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I was just curious. I because to me, and I've looked at these guys, I, I think they're all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting how they separate into tiers. Dalvin Cook obviously being probably a tier above everybody else that was remaining right. on the market. But you're right. It's time to talk about the NFC South. A lot of people think it's the worst division in football. Are the Saints the favorite? Should they be the favorite? We will dive into that coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. August is here, and you know what that means. It's the official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month. Get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball on Underdog Fantasy. All you have to do in best ball leagues is one live snake draft. No waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup every week. And, well, their largest football contest is back and it's even bigger it's the largest fantasy football contest of all time with over 15 million dollars in prizes including an absurd three million dollars going to the winner that's enough to pay kareem hunt and sign him next season if you want him to join your favorite team last year the winner drafted their team in july so no waiting get to it right now and you can sign up today by going to underdogfantasy.com and find them in the app store and all you have to do is use promo code locked on on your first deposit to get it doubled up to 100 bucks. So if you deposit 50, you'll double it. If you deposit 100, you'll double it with promo code locked on at Underdog Fantasy. Promo code locked on. All right, Tony, let's mm-hmm. dive into the question of the day. They were your sleeper team a few weeks back, the New Orleans Saints. The NFC South is wild right now. It's in shambles. Tampa Bay is listing Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield as their starting quarterback on their first unofficial depth chart. Your thoughts on the idea that the Saints are the best team in the NFC South? I think they're the best team in the NFC South. And uh, that, that, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't make it any, any more clear than that. Okay. But, but yeah, you know. Are you sure you're not sucking up the Ross Jackson now? Come on. No, no, no. You know he's Ross listening. Dude, you know there's no suck up that's needed. You know, Ross is my guy, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I really do. It's because of the things that you mentioned on defense. Um, they, they literally have probably three Hall of Fame candidates on defense, uh, one at each level. Uh, maybe even four, if you include the two DBs. Um, Dennis Allen, the familiarity he has, of course, running that unit for years. I think they've made cho- uh, they've made steps to improve the offensive line. I think Derek Carr is a definite upgrade. You finally know who their quarterback is. Um, shout out to Jameis Winston, who's accidentally the funniest in- person in the NFL, by the way. But um, I also like what they've done at receiver. I think Chris Olave is very, very good. And if Mike Thomas can come give him anything. So, yeah, you know, I still like their running backs. I like that group as a whole. I just think that they're the most rounded team with a veteran quarterback. I think Carolina is going to be really, really uh, nice. They're going to finally be on an uptick. I thought they were poorly coached the last couple of years, and they've improved their talent level as well. And I like Atlanta. I think uh, – Former Saint Terry Fontenot has done a real, real good job, and he's sort of gone under the radar with how he has built that roster. They did a lot of things I didn't agree with, right, with positional value, with taking Kyle Pitts, and then this year with B. John Robinson. But when you look beyond that and look past that, if you look at their roster, adding Calais Campbell as a veteran, they have some guys that can run like the win at linebacker. They've, they've addressed corner. They really, really beefed up their offensive line through retention and through the draft. 
And then they do have an identity with these tall wide receivers. I want to see how uh, your guy Desmond Ritter does with them. So they're an intriguing team, and I think they're going to play really, really hard, and they have a, they, they have guys that can get the ball into the end zone. Tampa, I'm just confused about the quarterback situation because I don't think either one of those guys are very good. And they have a lot of questions to answer now losing Tom Brady and going to Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. And their offensive line is uh, is is they were old, but now they got a, not, a lot of new parts. And I don't know if they can really, really play. And and uh, their coach might be coaching for his his career here, his, you know, his, his head coaching job. So there's a lot of questions with everybody else. So it, New Orleans is probably the best team. I won't say probably. I think they're the best team in the AFC South. And it's a little bit by default because everyone else has too many questions. Yeah. I look at their schedule and, and this is kind of where we're at. We have a really good feel of the, of the, these rosters and kind of how they stack up with the rest of the league. Mm. And so if you're starting at home and again, I, I've mentioned it, the Caesar Superdome is really, really tough to play at the Tennessee Titans. They're a good team. They're a well-coached team. I give the edge to the saints in that game. Then they have to go on the road, and yes, it's not ideal. I think Carolina has some talent, but Bryce Young in a second career start, right? not bad. Then you have to go to Green Bay. If you have to go to Green Bay at any point, you'd want to go there early in the season. It isn't cold, and you don't know what Jordan Love is. He might still be working through some things. And then the next three, Tampa at home, at New England, at Houston. I think they would beat Houston. I think they'll beat Tampa. Green Bay, Carolina, Tennessee. I think the one loss might be at New England. They might start five and one. They might be the team of September looking at this Saints schedule. And I know a lot of people just underestimate Derek Carr. He's a good quarterback. I was talking to some coaches in the league that said that, that they think he's kind of under the radar, goes under the radar, and these were offensive coaches. So we'll see, but I think they have a good defense. I think they have a proven quarterback. They could get off to a pretty good start, like six and three, seven and two in that range. And if they do that, I think they're going to win the division. So they should be the favorite. Not guaranteeing that they win the division, because I do think that some of these teams are interesting. The Falcons and, and, and the Carolina Panthers by midseason, I think they could be much better than they are early in the year. But I, I think the best team coming out of the gate in the NFC South is going to be the Saints. They have the most proven quarterback in the division. Right. So I will, I will take them. I agree with you. And I'm always skeptical of, of teams that have questions on the offensive line because that's the one unit on any football team. Notice I said unit, not single single mm -hmm. player. That's quarterback, obviously. Yeah. But the yep. one unit that could really, really make your football team look awful is a, is a group that can't block people. And it, it's a group that can't stop pass rushers. You, you, you're talking about you're looking at first and 15 or second and 15 or second and 20 every single time almost when you have those teams putting them in those bad down and distance situations, because if they're not good, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen on the offensive line. Uh, they'll start jumping. They'll start getting false starts. They'll start doing, they'll mm -hmm. start holding. They'll do whatever they can to keep the quarterback upright. And neither one, even though Baker can move around a little bit, Kyle Trask to me is, a, is, is stiff. And mm -hmm. with a bad offensive line, that is a recipe for disaster. And Baker also is not the tallest guy in the world. So, yeah, I, I really have a hard time thinking that Tampa is going to be uh, about anything. I, I'm thinking it's a two-horse race between the Saints oh. and the Falcons. And I'm going to tell you, I think the Saints have the advantage. The Saints do have the advantage, in my opinion. But what's interesting is we're going to get Saints and Falcons fans 
as if they need a reason to be beefing already, right? That's that's mm -hmm. the fun part. We get to see that rivalry come back and be what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I uh overall I agree. I think Tampa's better than some give it credit for. I also mm -hmm. think that the culture is a little weird. Weird. Baker, is he really going to be able to overcome that if he does start? I, it shouldn't be close with Kyle Trask. Like it should just be done by now. It's kind of weird to me. To me, it got not. weird. You know what made it weird? Uh, uh, something that someone did that they probably thought they were helping, but they hurt. When Bruce Arians came down from wherever he was in the stadium and started barking at the referees, to me, mm -hmm. you circumvented the authority of the coach, a guy who mm -hmm. was trying to prove that he still belonged to be a head coach. Uh, to me, in my opinion, in just my little mind, with the way I think, that did more damage than it did good, in my opinion. And um, I think the players saw it. You know, that's like having to call your best friend over when you're trying to discipline your child. No, he should. He should. He should. Your best friends should obviously uh, support the things that you say and and compliment the things that you do and say if they see your kid doing something wrong. But he shouldn't have to come over and say, "Listen to your dad," and your dad is standing right there. And I think that's what mm -hmm. happened. And that's that's the weird part about this whole thing to me is I think the coach might be a lame duck. Yeah, it's a tough situation, especially given their quarterback issues mm -hmm. and the fact that there are some good quarterbacks in next year's draft. They're in cap. They Perfect have cap court. issues. I was yeah. going to say something worse than that that we shouldn't say. So <laughs> we'll see on Tampa Bay. I do think they have some talent, though. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if they could stay healthy. They're certainly not as deep as some of these teams, including the Saints. But up next, let's discuss Odell Beckham Jr. He says the Rams would have crushed the Bengals in Super Bowl 56 had he not gotten hurt late in the second quarter. His comments and a reaction to them coming up next. <clears throat> All right, third and final segment here on Locked On NFL on a Wednesday with Tony Wiggins and James Rapine. Odell Beckham Jr., the guy that we could have just said Odell and everyone would have known who we we're talking about because he is one of those guys in the NFL. You just mentioned one name and everybody knows who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, he won a Super Bowl. He caught a touchdown early in the game. He, I think it was in the second quarter, he went out with a torn ACL, and you never want to see that. Um, the Rams ended up winning the game anyway, and Odell now says that they would have crushed the Bengals. Yeah. Not gotten yeah. Hurt. Uh, I don't know why he said it. You get a ring, I don't care if you win by one touchdown. Um, was he going to play corner, or was he going to play linebacker when Joe Mixon started carving up through the defense? I'm, I'm just trying to figure out um, – I know they became a little bit one dimensional, but that one dimensional, that one dimension was dimensioning like a MF with Cooper cup. I get it. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why you even say it. It doesn't matter if you win a Super Bowl by 40 or if you win it by 0.4, you want it. Just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm with you there and I'll read the quote here. He said, people have no idea what I was actually going to do that day. It was going to be the day where I catch 15 balls, maybe 250 yards. The game plan was for me. We would have beat him 42 to 17. And he was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was off to a good start, no doubt. Had two catches, 50-plus yards, and a touchdown over Mike Hilton. Had a nice end-around run as well where he, he had a big gain up the sideline. Odell looked great. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I also am close to this, as you know. And that was a game going into it where the Rams clearly had the, the better overall roster, even with some issues. 
Uh, you know, I know they were dealing with some injuries. They had the better offensive line. Obviously, they had Cooper Cup. He was the best receiver in football that year. Odell Beckham Jr. was a red zone threat for them going into that game. And so I get it. I understand the the, the logic there in, in the confidence. But that wasn't going to be a blowout. No. Because that, that Bengals team, they were young in a lot of spots, but they just were never scared of it. They never flinched once. Like, Joe Burrow didn't play great in that game. And if he's given a, a half second more, Jamar Chase is grittying down the sideline and arguably the biggest play in Super Bowl history. Mm-hmm. I get Odell's mindset of, oh, I was going to dominate. I do. Mm-hmm. I also think that we have a proven track record now of Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator, adjusting to offenses that were much better and more dynamic than that Rams offense. The Chiefs, right. they're 3-1 and one against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and they've held him scoreless in multiple second halves like this is including to get to super bowl 56 so i think they would have adjusted to odell that said would that have led to more for cooper cup i I don't know all i know is is the rams didn't light up the scoreboard that final drive was insane and in stafford and cup that connection was just unbelievable that said i don't think there was any scenario outside of an injury to one of the quarterbacks where 42 to 17 is the end result, regardless of what Odell does. And he didn't even have 100 yards with three minutes to go in the second quarter. He was going to go for 250. I get the logic. I also asked Mike Hilton about this, the Bengals corner. He said, we'll see you in week two. And obviously Odell and the Ravens play the Bengals in week two. Right. And and so that's why I think it's just stupid to even bring up something like that. Look, dude, you won the game. I know. And – um to say that you were going to go 15 for 250 when they had the dude on the other side who was like, if they gave away Belitnikoff awards in the NFL, he would have got it that year. So uh, my point is, uh, why even bring it up? You got the ring. You were a big part of it. Now, I don't think the Rams- He's never had 15 receptions in a game, by the way. Right. And, and I don't think- 12 the Rams- is the most. I don't think the Rams would, would have won the game had he not played at all. I think he was very, very pivotal early. But he's had one 200 yard game in his career, right? So, you're gonna, I'm just in the, in the Super Bowl, you're gonna go, you're gonna, you're gonna do something you've never done with Cooper Cup on the other side who who caught 700 balls in one season. So, it just yeah. it, you, you ask yourself why, but this is what comes with him the, the stuff yeah. like this. And, and I don't, I'm not angry, and I wouldn't be angry if I was a, a, a Ravens fan because the bottom line is this is what comes with Odell Beckham. You just wonder why. It's really no big deal. The thing is, is though, when when we're talking about a Super Bowl, it doesn't matter if you win by one or 51. If you get the hardware, you get the hardware. It's something that every kid dreamed up. I dreamed about it. You probably dreamed about it. We didn't make it to the NFL and we didn't. It's just like, did he watch the game? Did he see what T Higgins did to Jay? I know he pulled his mask, but my thing is, if you don't play corner, you can't say what, what would happen on, on those plays. And then here's newsflash. Since Joe Burrow has been the quarterback and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and all of them have been there, has anybody really mollywhopped them once? Have they Have they just been – has anybody wiped the field up with the Bengals? Just at any point in time. And have you seen the Bengals? The Browns did want the, – the Browns have got them a couple times. But to your point, it's very rare. And it was right. one team. Yes. Right. So. And, and, and they have shown themselves to be – a super, super clutch team that is never out of anything, ever. They're never out of a game. 
They probably should have beat they, they should have beat the Chiefs last year, in my opinion. I think there's some psychology here for for Odell. By the way, that 200 yard game was in 2016 against the Ravens. He was still a member of the Giants. I think in in the back of his mind, not that he isn't confident that he can go out there and be productive, but that Odell with the Rams wasn't the Odell we saw with the Giants. No. Like, he was really good, and I'm not saying that. But this wasn't the guy that was, like, lighting the NFL on fire. Top, like three, top, three, NF, top three in the NFL. Or, or a Justin Jefferson. Like, that's what he was doing. He was, like, that committing that type of attention with not a great quarterback. Like, I get it. He's not that anymore. And so maybe mentally that's what he's trying to do, and that's what this quote is. is like, man, I was about to do – what I've always done in that game. And he obviously went a little extreme with the numbers. That's fine. I get it. I do love the confidence. I do think he could have a big year in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. And I'm happy he got paid because good for him. Get as much money as you can. But let's be honest here. At best, at, at the very best in that game, he was the fourth best receiver on the field. I would agree. Cooper was one. Jamar, two. Higgins, three. Odell four and the Rams would tell you that too if you gave them truth serum. So, he is, but he is one Odell. of those guys. He does live for certain moments though, and guys like him, no doubt, they live for certain moments. And he looked like he was up to the test that day, no doubt. And but he's probably going to ball out this for two fifty. I don't, I don't think he would have done fifteen for two fifty. No, maybe if Eli Apple would have stayed on the whole game, he probably would have had fifteen for two fifty. Oh, and oh. Eli, man, see, Saints fans are going to love this pod. I mean, a shot at Eli Apple, yeah. The fact the fact that they, they're the favorites in the NFC South, they mm-hmm. add a couple. I mean, this is just the same. This is locked on Saints 2.0. There you get everything. Go. You get absolutely everything when you when you deal with me uh, uh, after the night that I was drinking Glenlivet. Ain't no telling what I'm gonna say out of my mouth on this podcast. And see, you better hurry up and end it before I really get in trouble. So, <laughs> and that's why you got to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Make sure you follow wherever you get your podcast. And for Tony Wiggins. I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Locked On NFL.